0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, NA, member FDSE. This is the On the Pony Express podcast, part of the On Three Network. Check out all the SMU coverage you need at ontheponyexpress.com. Now, Now. here's your host, Billy Mbody. Billy Mbody. One, two, three, ready? We go. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening. Kicking off your weekend with a bi-week podcast. Took the week, kind of recharged a little bit on the podcast front. And well, uh, wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about bi-week goals, what SMU has to accomplish for the next seven-game stretch to kind of prepare for that as they enter the real teeth of that AAC schedule that they're facing. And look, the Mustangs coming off of a win over Charlotte where they were clearly the better team. I mean, we talked about it on uh, the after-staying show Saturday night, um, SMU facing a Charlotte team that was athletically better than I think probably most expected, both between the team and just kind of looking at it overall. Once you were able to really get an idea for what um, Charlotte tried to do, they had a really good game plan against SMU overall, that limited possessions, limited plays on the field, all of those things. It was kind of a weird game. And once again, kind of difficult to really determine just where SMU's at overall when it comes to looking ahead to the rest of the AAC schedule. You have Memphis, you have Navy, you have East Carolina, you have some other teams on there as well. But the Charlotte team was just, I think a lot better than people thought athletically. So credit to that staff for going out and getting the 49ers a a really good group of just athletic players, especially defensively, that defensive line. We have some things that we are looking at SMU-wise and saying, hey, well, now we've seen them go against some really impressive athletes up front, and it's kind of been a mixed bag. Um, when it comes to pass protection between some of the, the the more, I guess, big time matchups that SMU has faced, whereas they've also at the same time taken it to a lot of teams in terms of the run game the last, um, you know, or, or I should say really the run game has come alive the last couple weeks against TCU against Charlotte. And so we have this weird dynamic when we look at SMU right now, in particular offensively, and we say, What is your identity five games in? You're 3-2 and overall. Um, You are in the upper portion of the AAC in offense. Uh, Preston Stone has done some really good things. He's also done some things where you're kind of scratching your head. You have a run game that has done things like the 95-yard touchdown run for Jalen Knighton. We've seen Kamar Wheaton break out against TCU. He sat out against Charlotte, tried to go, uh, but tweaked a hamstring during pregame warm-ups. We saw Velton Gardner emerge. We saw Tyler Levine uh, against TCU do some good things. We saw LJ Johnson kind of open the season, looked like he might be the guy. He didn't play last week. What is this SMU team's identity offensively? And so let's jump into that uh, as we get into this podcast. And for SMU, they have to find a way to generate other opportunities for somebody to be their go-to guy at wide receiver, in my opinion. And there's just so much work that goes into that in practice. And there's also work that goes into that in the game. You know, SMU is not necessarily, I think, that many times this year, drawn up plays where they say, you know what, we're going to give so and so this shot no matter what. You can kind of prob- you can probably count them. On a couple, you know, maybe two hands, the amount of times they've done that. At least looking from the outside in, and they've been to Jordan Curley. Uh, we saw them go to uh, Roderick Daniels uh, down the slot against Prairie View A and M um, in that play that was designed for Jalen Knighton, but he was suspended for that game. Um, we've seen a little bit here and there uh, on in terms of shots down the field to Jordan Hudson. But how do you get a true number one receiver to step up right now five games into this uh, season for SMU? They've got to do a deep dive this week, and and they I think they have been off offensively. And, and just judging by Casey Woods and Rhett Lashley's comments to the media this week, they've done some deep dives on how do they improve on what Preston Stone does really well So far this season, because there are clear plays and there are clear routes, I think that Preston Stone feels a little bit more comfortable in with this offense. I think when you get Preston Stone almost on rhythm, trying to find those deep curls, trying to find Jake Bailey on just about any route, those are the types of things right now that he is fairly comfortable throwing. I think some of the sideline stuff we haven't seen him be. Uh, as uh, giddy to to throw unless he's scrambling and a guy's coming back to him. Um, we know that he needs to continue to work on uncorking the deep ball with more authority early in the route to give guys a chance to run under it. We really haven't seen him drop too many in the bread basket deep down the field. Uh, he made a really nice throw to RJ Maryland, who went up and caught a contested catch for that final touchdown in the Charlotte game. We saw what he did dropping one in to to Jordan Hudson, but even then, you know, Jordan made a great play to kind of untangle himself from that defensive back against Louisiana Tech. Um, Just overall, we've seen the good and we've seen the pieces where he's clearly still developing that feel for the offense that is truly tailored to him. Um, Last week against Charlotte, coming off of a performance where he completed 61% of his passes, he did have an interception that, him and R.J. Maryland just weren't on the same page. Preston thought he was going to shut it down, um, or Preston thought he was going to take it deep. R.J. Maryland shut it down. That's the interception, um, and and that's kind of how that one happened. But there are still other things that are playing the, this offense. We've seen a couple drops here and there um, by a guy like a, a Jordan Curley who really hit the turf pretty hard against uh, Charlotte. So it'll be interesting to see if there is anything with that Um, you know, if he did sustain any type of injury, I I know he went to locker room at some point. We'll see if he's out there practicing, um, Sunday and Monday, that'll be the media availability this week with the short week for East Carolina. But as you look at kind of how they need to go about doing this, I don't know what that is because right now, Jordan Curley, isn't getting open, uh, as much as you'd like down the field. I do think there is something to, if Preston Stone lets the ball go a little earlier Maybe Jordan Curley can turn on the afterburners and go run under it. I think there's something to that. Um, but on the flip side of it, look, I, we saw this kind of last year on both sides of the ball. The young players like Ahmad Moses, um, like Tyler Levine being given the lion's share of the carries in the run game. It sometimes takes a little bit for those things to happen. And my biggest bye week goal, if I'm SMU, is getting Jordan Curley ready, or excuse me, Jordan Hudson ready, because Jordan Hudson, whenever he's been on the field, he's been productive. I mean, think about how limited amount of times he's actually been on the field, and good things have happened. I mean, opening the season with the with the deep touchdown against Louisiana Tech, he had another one against Prairie View A and M, caught a couple really nice balls. Against TCU, caught two passes, 19 yards against Charlotte. Good things happen when he's on the field. And against Oklahoma, he got hurt early and wasn't really able to go. He came back very, very limited on top of being limited in terms of what they're feeding him. I'd rather Jordan Hudson go out there and just be a threat because he is that physical, that competitive going after balls. If you compliment Jordan Hudson with Jake Bailey in the slot, I think you've got a little bit of something there. Not to mention, if R.J. Maryland could kind of find his form, that would be a big piece. And then from there, it's kind of all lanyap. Moochie Dixon catching the ball whenever it's thrown his way for the most part. He's been fairly consistent. We saw a flash of what Keyshawn Smith can do, if not for that kind of gray area lineman downfield penalty. They have these weapons. They need a little bit more edge to the receiver room. And I think that's why one of my biggest bye week goals is getting Jordan Hudson so caught up on this offense that you can give him more. You go at East Carolina. They're a team that's struggling right now. I believe they're one in four off the top of my head and they just have played a good schedule, but they also, you know, their most competitive game I think on the season was going and, and losing the rice this past weekend, um, 24, I think 17. So they're a team that is very much in the middle of a change. And if that's the case, throw out Jordan Hudson. You know, it's a, it's a difficult place to play uh, in Greenville. And I think you've got to have guys out there that are not afraid of the moment. I don't think Jordan Hudson is afraid of anything, quite honestly. And so I would get him out there. Get him out there against Temple. Those are two teams that you can go on the road, in-league play, and you should be able to handle business and let him go. And and so I I think one of my biggest goals is Jordan Hudson being able to be that guy for SMU. Uh, The running back room is in good shape. Anybody they've rolled out there has really been able to to make it happen. I mean, whether it's LJ Johnson earlier in the year, Tyler Levine uh, here and there in his spot duty, I'd like to see him get more short yardage opportunities, but I think that's a different story. Um, You know, clearly against, you know, TCU, the one that a lot of people go back to, it should have been handed off to him. Um, and then you have Kamar Wheaton, who they need to get healthy again. Jalen Knighton, he showed what he could do. Um, and that was coming off of the TCU game that he was not healthy. Um, he was he was certainly hobbled in that game against the Horn Frogs, but he didn't look too hobbled on that 95-yard touchdown run. Um, and then you get into, um, you know, Velton Gardner being a nice depth piece showing that against Charlotte. So the run game, I really like what they've done the last two weeks. You've been without Justin Osborne, who, if you follow PFF, if you care, I think it's worth it. It's good context to what they're doing. But this SMU offensive line has been really without him uh, for for a minute now. And at the same time, he is your best offensive lineman. Um, He hasn't really let up pressure, I think PFF said. Maybe one hasn't let up a sack. He's been really, really good. And you've seen some guys kind of step up. Ben Sparks, Logan Parr. Ah, uh, Cam Irvin's been back in the mix. Uh, those guys have really kind of settled in nicely there. PJ Williams has seen some time, very minimal at the guard spot. He's been playing at tackle, but this this team to kind of show you the depth, even without a Justin Osborne, they've been able to find ways to c- kind of keep guys fresh. Uh, they rotated PJ Williams at the tackle positions with Hyron White and Marcus Bryant, um, and and to mix results, you know, PJ, I, I think still. Uh, developing overall, but he's somebody that clearly has talent and is gonna uh, be somebody that they're gonna rely on to to start um, without a doubt. I think in the future, so um, for SMU, they're going to be um, I think continuing to go go through that process of um, you know finding players that can can keep them fresh and and keep them um, you know able to. To uh, you know, just withstand um, the overall grind of a season, um, because it is something where SMU has the depth. They have the talent. And outside of Oklahoma and TCU, they really haven't had a, had, had any games that have been in doubt. I mean, they did get up on Charlotte twenty seven to three at one point. Um, so this is a team that has been challenged by its two power five opponents, two losses, two disappointing losses. For both very different reasons, but you look at what they can do long uh, throughout the rest of the season in AAC play, they're going to be the class of this conference. you right there at the at the end, and that game against Memphis on the road probably looms large. It's because of the offensive line and what they've been able to do. I think um, Preston Stone is going to have to continue to elevate his play, um, but this this offense has the pieces. Um, to be great. Um, And so I I feel like uh, if you're an SMU fan, uh, you have to be kind of let down that they weren't able to get a win against an Oklahoma or a TCU. We talked about that before the season with the amount of talent. But at the same time, this is a team that is clearly more of a work in progress offensively than we thought it would be this season from a passing game perspective. So it's context to where they're at Last year, I felt like it was a team that in both, they go to Maryland, they completely shot themselves in the foot, bad turnovers, missed opportunities against OU. That was a really good game. I felt SMU was much more, they weren't in control because they lost, but they were much more in control of their destiny in that game against OU. They just couldn't get it done. OU's a good team, no doubt about it. Then you get to the TCU game, and it's this year it's more frustrating than last year's game because last year you went down big early, you battled back, and you're uh, jumping over the snapper penalty away from getting the ball with a chance to tie it. This year you took a step back. I mean, you really you you took a step back while TCU is also taking a step back, as we saw in a loss to West Virginia this past week. So this team does have that angle of fans makes sense. They're frustrated with Kind of where it stands overall, but you have this league play ahead of you. And it's because the offense does have uh, the ability to be that good, and they just haven't clicked fully yet um, on that front. So um, we'll see uh, on on the offenses front. But uh, speaking of uh, clicking, I'm going to need you guys to click on Game Time, uh, the app. Uh, on your phone, download it if you haven't already, and check out the fastest-growing ticketing app in America, GameTime, with the promo code PONY. You can get $20 off your first order at GameTime.co or download the GameTime app. For SMU fans, a lot of you guys listening to the podcast, you're in Dallas or you're in Texas. Well, it is the Red River Showdown, Texas, OU or OU Texas, whichever side you're on. Uh, if you want to check out this game, this is a perfect opportunity to go catch a college football game and use this promo code and get $20 off what would be a big order. Uh, these tickets are expensive in the Cotton Bowl this year. Two undefeated teams coming into into play. Next week, of course, we'll show you the deals that they have for SMU East Carolina. But uh, this is you know the biggest show uh, in town this weekend. The Rangers will also be playing their playoff games uh, as well in Arlington. So you can check out the deals on there for that. And whether it's a concert, whether it's comedy, Game Time has you covered. Uh, they're they're the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason, and that's because uh, in part of their Game Time guarantee, uh, they have that ability where if you find tickets in the same section and same row for less, Game Time will credit you one hundred and ten percent of the difference. So this is the perfect app for that last minute ticket buying experience and options. Um, whether you're in at the U.S. or even some of our listeners, we got them up in Canada. You'll be able to score tickets quickly and without the hassle. And just enjoy the moment of having those tickets covered for your friends, your family, whoever. Um, This is the perfect app for you. Um, So check out the Game Time app. Terms apply. Use promo code PONY for $20 off your first order today. So download the Game Time app. And check out why it's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country and the official ticketing app of On the Pony Express and On 3. When it comes to the defense, this is a group that has stayed relatively healthy. The only really major injury that we've seen so far, because he has now you know, been been out for a minute. I know he missed a Charlotte game. That's a league game. Uh, but he also missed, uh, I believe he missed the Prairie View A&M game um Brandon Crosley uh he was somebody that uh you know came into this season as you're starting Nickelback uh CJ Sanders who had an interception against Charlotte to cap that game played in his spot um and now you have uh this I think what we'll see is more of a battle whenever Brandon Crosley comes back but that's the only major injury we're really watching right now Elijah Roberts did get nicked up against um it was against uh, uh, Charlotte at the end of it, but he didn't. He was held out of practice, but didn't seem any seem like any anything serious uh, when it came to uh, to figuring out what what's like. It didn't seem like anything serious, at least on our end. Kind of walking, watching him walk around. Uh, so he, I think he'll be good for East Carolina and and getting the bye to recover. But defensively, the bye week is perfect for SMU. To kind of get back to some of the basics of tackling, uh, this is a team that, you know, really has done a nice job overall defensively. Um, They're in the top 30, I believe, in total defense or points allowed, something like that. Um, And and so they're, they're right there at the top of many categories in the AAC. And as you see them get into league play, I'd be surprised if those numbers went up in terms of teams you know, exploiting this defense and finding ways to make big plays. Um, they did take a big jump up in the rankings after playing Charlotte. Um, and so I think you're going to see SMU be among the better defenses in the country statistically, um, but certainly in the AAC. And part of the reason is this defensive line has been able to be healthy. Uh, they have that uh, talent up front. They've got the depth. They've got the big boys that, that can make it happen. And um, for me – I think that that's where it starts. Um, and as you as you go through uh, the biggest reasons why this defense is improved, it is the defensive line. Uh, it is guys like Jordan Miller, Elijah Roberts, Devere Levelston, Elijah Chapman, Corey Roberson, Cam Robertson, um, Isaiah Smith, just all Nelson Paul, all sorts of guys up front that are getting opportunities to play, and it's made a difference uh, for this team. And it's helped out the secondary, and the secondary has been able to really. Um, I I think be a little stickier in coverage they haven't been by any means a group that can take away the football at an extremely high level right now Um, but they are able to uh, you know be a little bit more physical with opposing players and step up in that regard um, rather than uh, you know just be just having guys run wide open I mean I, I don't I can't recall many where you see a complete and total bust for like a 75-yard touchdown. I mean, somebody in the comments can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I don't think we've seen that this year. We've seen a couple quarterback runs get away from them. You know, They've been able to uh, see some of that happen to them from time to time, but when it comes down to it, they've really done a nice job of, for the most part, limiting some of those truly explosive plays um, and that starts with the secondary, and I, I think they've done a good job um, kind of handling that and, and stepping up to the plate. Jonathan McGill is really playing like a man, uh, like a man possessed right now. Um, what he's been able to do for this SMU defense is just unbelievable, um, and I think it's exceeded my expectations. He's physical. He flies around. He makes plays. Um, he's somebody that is clearly a leader. Uh, When you're looking at the leading tacklers, he's number three on the team right now behind Kobe Wilson and Isaiah Wakobia. Tell me if you had that on your bingo card, by the way. Um, But he's been able to fly around and and make a ton of tackles. I mean, you look at it, you're five games in, and those guys at the top are are who, who I think show the depth of this defense the best. I mean, Kobe Wilson is a guy who's playing more and more, it seems like. When he was brought in from Temple, he's kind of almost an afterthought um, because you had Ahmad Walker, you had Alex Kilbury, you had all these guys uh also in the mix that were coming back, Chris Adamora, Jaquanis Burns, guys like that. He's clearly risen to the top. Um, and Isaiah Wacobia, shout out to him for stepping up uh, because he's been a really physical, impressive tackler. Um, he's been able to just do so much more than than really anybody you know could have Could have imagined. Um, And so those are your top three tacklers. Ahmad Walker right behind Jonathan McGill. Alex Kilgore fifth on the team. They just rotate so many guys. And and being able to platoon players like that is important when it comes to uh, figuring out how to uh, how to make this defense uh, be as be at its best. And look, they probably took their eye off the ball a little bit in the second half against Charlotte. um, But they were able to stifle the run for the most part. Um, and, and that was something that you know, Charlotte. I, I thought early on when Jalen Jones, their quarterback, kind of got loose for a big gain, I thought there was a little bit of worry that it was going to be one of those days, but uh, they were able to circle the wagons very well, um, and and go through it and 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 bounce back, and and they made enough corrections to even force a quarterback change. Trexler Ivy came in. Uh, and had a little bit of success. Again, they were, I think one thing SMU, when they've gotten up big at times this season, they've forced opponents to literally earn just about every yard uh that they that they that they have out there to make. They haven't sat there and played press and done all these things and oh man there goes a bust and and it you know big play happens and it kind of creaks the door open with a short drive. This defense has done a really nice job start to finish of making teams earn just about everything that they've gotten. And I would say they've done a really nice job of holding once they've gotten in the red zone for field goals. I don't know the statistics on that, but just like an offense when you're trying to score touchdowns in the red zone and while your red zone scoring ratio could be pretty good. Well, how many times are you giving up touchdowns or how many times are you scoring touchdowns? That's where the difference in, I mean, SMU's two losses, you could argue, uh, that's a big piece to the puzzle uh, for the Mustangs, especially in the TCU loss. Um, but obviously, they kicked a field goal early against Oklahoma as well. But uh, defensively, SMU was able when they've gotten in the red zone to kind of you know step up and force some field goals. We saw that a lot against TCU um, in particular. But um, for the Mustangs, this is a defense that has to clean up tackling. They have to you know have a key reminder of wrapping up fundamentals angles all those things that's something that this week could have been used for now you get into game prep for this short week for East Carolina you don't have a ton of time in this bye week but you do have enough where you can say okay we can circle the wagons here and kind of get some guys fresh get some guys some rest um, and figure that out but yeah the defense I mean it's been a Really impressive storyline. I mean, credit to Scott Simons and, and that staff for, for what they've been able to do up front um, overall. Because it, SMU hasn't had a defense like this uh, since I've been covering the team. I mean, it's uh, it's very, very different uh, when you're talking about SMU football uh, with a group like this out there that they, that they roll out um, each week. So, um, look, guys, uh, the season is still going on. And there's still a few more boulevards left. And that's why I got to tell you guys about our friends at Red and West. Um, and it's funny. We're talking about them on OU Texas Week. This is a group that started making OU apparel in Norman. Well, they're now uh, in Fort Worth and expanding to other colleges really across the country. And SMU is one of those schools that they're kicking off uh, their their expansion with. And so they do have two polos uh, that are a classic look on those Old kind of 1980s coaches' polos, but they're breathable. Um, and that's big for me. That's why I, I honestly would not endorse anything that's not breathable. And that's what they are. They've got this really nice breathable fabric. Um, so check them out. And they have added a promo code uh, for our subscribers uh, and you guys on the podcast because it's been so well received. The promo code is ACCReady for 10% off the SMU polos only. Now, In 2024, they're going to expand with hats and go check out their OU line. Uh, Maybe you have a family member who might like it. But I think it's all pretty sharp stuff that they've got on uh, the Oklahoma side of things. And again, they're expanding to other colleges. So look forward to more of that high-quality gear from Red and West. Uh, Appreciate uh, them sponsoring the podcast. And really, it's been nice to work with Will and their entire team over there. So they've got some great apparel for you guys and now they're giving back to you they don't give up much on the promo code but they've seen such a response they want to get more of you guys in so promo code a c c ready for 10 percent off the smu polos so check those out check out our friends red and uh red and uh west um for those guys when uh we look ahead now to uh, the rest of the season uh, for SMU and what they're going to uh, have in front of them. They've got seven games left. They got East Carolina, Temple, Tulsa, Rice, North Texas, Memphis, and Navy. So I wanted to kind of update my predictions for the rest of the season. In the preseason, I had SMU going 11-1 and with their one loss being to Oklahoma. So if you look ahead at the schedule, I've got SMU beating – Everybody on the schedule, I have them winning out. I would say the one game that I really have some concern with is at Memphis. That's been a tough place for SMU to play. They haven't been able to uh, really have that much success against Memphis in uh, the Liberty Bowl. Um, The last win for SMU against Memphis was all the way back in 2013. Um, at the Liberty Bowl that was a 34-29 win uh, back then it just crazy um, that they haven't been able to do it but Rhett Lashley has been able to conquer some of these um, some of these uh, I guess demons when it comes to long-standing wins losses whatever um, on the uh, on these on these series and I I think SMU's got a chance to to break that one this year Um, I know Memphis is a team that is always tough to play. Uh, again, especially at home, uh, they've been able to, uh, you know, kind of stave off some of the uh, buzz around uh, their staff maybe getting fired. They beat Boise State. They played Missouri, a top twenty-five team, tough, uh, losing by a touchdown. Uh, this is a this is a, a program that uh, is going to play the night after SMU uh, next week. They're going to play. Uh, Friday the 13th uh, against uh, Tulane at home. Uh, So check out that game. Take an early scouting opportunity on uh, the Tigers. They look to be the toughest game remaining on the schedule. Rice has also played some teams uh, pretty well. They beat Houston. Um, But I've got SMU finding a way to uh, win out the rest of the way. And uh, they'll play for an AAC championship. And I I don't know if that means it'd be at home or if it'd be away. But I do have SMU. Winning out in league play. This team is, that's the frustrating thing. We talked about it earlier this podcast. This team is good enough to win out. This team is good enough to dominate teams. Will the offense turn the wheels enough to eventually be that team? This might be a team that's imperfect. And I, I think that's very clear, but in terms of league play, they might be a team that, hey, they're going to have to really make sure they run the football. They're going to have to take care of the football. And it'd be nice if they can get a turnover to a game from this defense, and maybe CJ Sanders breaking through that wall for SMU can bring that uh, to SMU this year. So when I look at this team, I think defensively they're so talented. The good thing for SMU is they don't have Tulane in the regular season, um, who I think is probably at this point going to be the team that SMU faces in the conference championship game with just what they've been able to do. Um, just Overall, I mean, they've played a, a tough schedule. they played Ole Miss tough. Um, they sit at 4-1, and one, that lost Ole Miss being their lone loss. Uh, they just beat UAB 35-23. Um, they haven't done anything overly impressive this season, but the toughest thing and most impressive thing they probably did is play Ole Miss tough and specifically hold them to a decent amount against uh, that high-powered Ole Miss offense. So um, that's probably your early best bet in terms of who SMU would face in the AAC championship game. But look, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The season is not a complete failure if they don't make the AAC championship, but it's still a failure to some degree because this, this was a team that was assembled coming off of last year's team where you saw them finish strong in league play. You saw them really show some strides. Yes, you had a new quarterback. Yes, you had to replace Rasheed Rice, but there was so much talent brought in. You can't waste this team this season. They have to make the AAC championship game and see where the chips fall fall from there and see if they're ready to take that next step as a uh, conference champion uh, for the first time since the 1980s. But I've got SMU winning out in the regular season. We'll see how it goes uh, the rest of the way. But that is your bi-week edition of the On The Pony Express podcast. Appreciate all you guys who have subscribed to OnThePonyExpress.com. Your first month is just a dollar, so be sure to check that out, um, and also check out epicwines.com/pony. Get that Pony Express case; perfect time to order that for the rest of the season as well. So, hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the podcast, and we'll catch you next week as we get back to uh, game week for mus for the Mustangs. Thursday night, at East Carolina, um, tough one for the Mustangs. Tough, tough environment, but we'll be there with you guys every step of the way. Thanks for listening to this edition, and have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the On the Pony Express podcast with Billy Embody. Follow us on your socials on X at SMU On3 and on Instagram at On3SMU. And keep it locked to OnThePonyExpress.com for more coverage.